Good morning. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, March 14, 2023, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works, on page 67, going through the second paragraph, starting with referring to our list again through that one paragraph ending in, we're willing to set matters straight, unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you so much to Team Tuesday, Rena L., Colleen M., Trisha D., On the Steps, Elizabeth D., Traditions, Esther F., the newcomer greeter, Freya H., and the host for the second awesome unrecorded hour, Ken W. H. The reference IDs for yesterday, Monday, March 13, 2023, 7 a.m., is 20,046. That's 20046. And the 10 a.m. meeting, 20,047. 20047. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Elizabeth D. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Elizabeth. Good morning, everyone. This is Elizabeth D. in Cincinnati. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory 
and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me serve. Pass. Thank you so much, Elizabeth B. I will now ask for Esther S. to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Esther. Good morning. This is Esther S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or, en- or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion in outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to take to place principles before personality. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther F. Okie dokie, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but... We ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book. We're in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 67, the second paragraph, and I'm going to ask Rena L. to get us started. Go ahead, Rena. Grab the mic. Let's go. Thank you. 
Hi, this is Rena, compulsive overeater from Toledo, Ohio. Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. So I'm going to start with what's happened since I woke up this morning and and (laughs) relate it to this paragraph because, of course, it relates to this paragraph. Everything does. Um, I opened my eyes at 6.50. That's when my alarm went off. At 6.51, I found out I realized I had a sore throat that I had gotten my period. Sorry for those if that's uncomfortable. I had, I guess, a really painful period. And by 6.52, I found out that my mother-in-law died. And then I jumped on this Mm -hmm. call to find out that I was speaking. And um, so it's a lot. The big thing, obviously, is the last one, but my brain wants to fixate on the first two because that's how I operate (laughs) without a lot of help. Um, Before this program, I was a great apologizer, right? I love to apologize. Because the idea of someone being mad at me was horrifying to me. I just wanted people to like me and not be mad. So I was always apologizing because I was always doing ridiculous things. I didn't really see my part. I just wanted people not to be mad at me. I'm so grateful that this program and this paragraph and the work involved, this is, you know, step four, began to help me start to see my part. It also made meant that people weren't controlling my emotions, right, that how I felt I was responsible for. Um, so where had I been selfish? Selfish to me is not about not getting my way, right? Selfish doesn't mean I'm a monster or a bad person, just that in my mind, like, what am I manipulating about? What am I thinking about? About getting my way. Did the world not act how I want? Did the people not act how I want? In this case, this morning, my first thought was, what am I going to do about X, Y, and Z that I need to do the next few days? right? When I heard the news about my mother-in-law, that was my first thought. The dishonesty, lying to myself, right? That's like, I always thought about lying to other people. That could be, right? That happened. But like, how did I lie to myself, right? That what I, that I, sometimes it's just that I know God, that I know the bigger picture when in truth I don't. I don't know how everything relates or what the world really needs or even what I really need. Self-seeking, that's what did I actually do? And sometimes it's gossip or obsess or, manip- or manipulate um, or act impulsively. But sometimes it's just in my head, right? The obsessed, that one, that's the main one, right? Today in recovery, right? And frightened. Often it's just that I'm not going to be okay, right? That I'm not trusting, right? My lack of faith that the universe, that God, my higher power is not going to take care of me. This morning it meant that my first thought when my husband told me, he came in after he heard my alarm running in to tell me what he had just found out about his mother. My first thought was about what I, oh my God, I'm not going to get to do X, Y, and Z, and I need to make these calls and do that. And then I paused only because of this program. Like, oh, what? he's a hugger. I'm not. He needs a hug. That's obsessing. And I just stopped. And I stopped talking. <laughs> it's hard for me, if those who know me on this line. And I just hugged him. And for that moment, I'm so grateful that the program taught me how to, for one minute, <laughs> stop thinking about what I need. All right. Thanks for listening.
Thank you so much, Rena L. Our condolences, prayers going out to you and your family. Um, thank you so much. All righty, we are going to get started here by taking some names um, for those who would like to share on what was read. Again, friendly reminder, if you've shared in the last couple of days, namely Monday or Friday, we ask that you please step aside and give others the opportunity to share their experience, strength, and hope as well. So who would like to share on what was read, please? Lisa B. Harlan G. Harlan. Nancy R. Nancy. Colleen M. Irene M. Irene M. I missed you after Leia S. Okay, hold on. Elena C. Oh, Elena, that's it. Okay, Elena C. Anyone else that I miss? Linda B. Linda? Linda B. Linda B. Okay. Okay. That's a great lineup. I've got Lisa B, Harlan G, Nancy R, Colleen M, Irene M, Leah F, Alana C, and Linda B. All right, Lisa, please go ahead. Oh, good morning. Thank you, Amy. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A if anyone ever wants to make an outreach call. This This is really where my freedom is, you know, so... What they're talking about here are my blocks that block me from the most important thing, which is the relationship with my power, my higher power. It's my creator, whom I choose to call God. And, you know, I think the biggest mistake I made in recovery is when I start to say, what is my part? Because right away I'm starting to think about what their part is, even on an unconscious level. So this is the, this is the column of me without God. This is what I do when I am not connected to my source. So where am I at fault? Where am I to blame? But what really helps me is what are my mistakes? What are my mistakes? You know, and this affects, it threatens, it hurts, it interferes with, and then the various parts of myself, you know, my ambitions, what I want to get done, my relationships, including sex, my security, my self-esteem, how I see me, how you see me. And, but you know what really is the share that was just, you know, the speaker did such a beautiful job of, and I can identify what are my mistakes and seeing where my dishonesty is. It's that self-reliance that God doesn't have my back. God is running everything but not my life, you know, not all the details that concerns me. And I don't realize this, but that's, that is a form of pride. That's arrogance. And I, the other thing I love about this uh, work is this is where my freedom begins to get uncovered. This is the stuff that I ate over. This is the stuff that the rids, the restlessness, the irritability, the discontentment feeds off of, and it just blocks me from being useful to others, from being a useful vessel for my higher power and having that wonderful relationship, that connection with God. So I'm grateful for this. This is where the freedom is. And then when we start to look at the power, you know, what would God have me be? But I get out of the victim role. So anyways, I'm so happy to be here. And thanks again, Amy. I pass. 
Thank you so much, Lisa B. from South Carolina. It's L-E-S-A, South Carolina. All righty, Harlan, you are up. Thanks, Amy. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are transitioning in the fourth column of the resentment inventory from how we were hurt to how we hurt others. There are five character defects, not 105, not 1,005, five, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, resentment, and fear. The reason resentment isn't listed here is because we're in a resentment inventory, so it is understood or given that we had resentment. And we're going to read a little later on, not today, but we're going to read, we told someone else all our life story. And when we know how our character defects manifested themselves in our lives to hurt others, to strike out at the world for not giving us what we wanted, when we wanted, and on our terms, we learn more about ourselves than sometimes we want to know. But the reveal is cathartic. The the reveal here, the activity here of doing this inventory shows me exactly who I am, what motivates me. Now, resentments usually come from one of two things, either finance or romance. They all come, obviously, from a threat to our basic instincts, but they fall into two categories, finance or romance. And third on there is I'm afraid of what people are thinking of me, and we don't want to get in touch with they're not. They're not thinking of us. Now, before my three minutes is up, I want to remind us, Some people listening to this have had hurts done to them where they didn't have a part. Perhaps they were raped or abandoned or beaten. You don't have a part in that resentment, but we do have a part in carrying around. the. You don't have a part in that action, but we do have a part in carrying around that lethal resentment. And I work on this every day. The world is full of injustices that I cannot carry around with me. If I do, I'll die in the food. So I have to look at this column. This is the fourth column of the inventory. And this is why I don't use forms. I use the big book for my inventory because it's so comprehensive and so easy. This column is where I look at my part in these resentments. What did I do? I list the defect or defects of character, and I briefly describe what I did. How did I lash out to get my way? I had been tantruming for decades with a knife and a fork. I had been stamping my feet and tantruming like a two-year-old by pulling bags of food out of windows where a 16-year-old was wearing a microphone, and I had pulled bags of food out of these drive through windows, and this is how I tantrumed back at the world. Now I'm going to list these things on paper. And because of this action and other actions as well, not this action alone, obviously, I no longer have to do that. And for the last 24 years, I haven't wanted to do that because I see what makes me tick. 
I see, and then I take action in the rest of the steps. I'm real glad to be here, and I will pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Nancy R. Oh, sorry, that was Harlan G. from Arizona. Nancy R., you are up. Please go ahead. Good morning. It's Nancy R. from Northwest Illinois. I'm a recovered a compulsive overeater. Gratefully joining all of you this morning. Um, oh, the shares so far have been amazing. Thank you, everyone, for what you have have shared. And, um, you know, I'm going to focus on the frightened part. I never realized how much fear I walk around in um, and that I don't have to walk around in until I really worked the steps um, as are outlined here in the big book. Um, this paragraph makes looking at my <clears throat> part um, so much easier than the other ways that I had worked step four prior to working that it through the directions of the big book. <clears throat> Excuse me. Selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. Um, you know, uh, fear is involved in most of my selfishness, my dishonesty, and my self-seeking, and my resentment. Fear of um, not enough, you know, not enough, which is where I get my um, my uh, solution is more because I have fear of not enough. And um, in working the steps, I realized that my solution to fear is not more of whatever it is. Um, you know, more selfishness, more dishonesty, more self-seeking, more resentment. Um, my solution to fear is bringing my fears to my higher power. And listening, really listening to what God would have me do or be or say to me um, and bring those fears to my higher power rather than to the people in my life that I want to resent um, or judge or compare myself to or make myself better than or less than. So I'm grateful for um, getting down to the fear that is uh, so entwined in my life and um, and having a solution to it, which is to bring it um, to this inventory um, and admitting my, my fear honestly and being willing to give it over to, to my higher power and to continue to work these steps. Um, and, and I just glanced ahead to the next paragraph um it it goes on as we will continue tomorrow um about how it really touches just about every aspect of our lives and so i'm grateful for that awareness and for um the willingness to surrender my fear to my higher power today and to uh, be of service thank you thank you so much nancy r from northwest illinois Colleen M., you're up, followed by Irene M. Go ahead, Colleen. Hey, Amy, thank you. This is Colleen M. from Maryland, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eater. I wanted to um, highlight putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done. That was, uh, you know, key for me 
to make this transformation or allow God to make this transformation. And the inventory was mine. I spent way too much time talking, taking other people's inventories and being a victim mentally, which kept me in the disease for way too long. Once I was able to see my part and how my behaviors were selfish and um, and not selfless, like I had convinced myself um, that, you know, everything I was doing was, you know, for others when really was what I was doing was to um, make myself feel more comfortable in my world. And if uh, somebody wasn't acting or speaking or behaving in a way that I felt was comfortable, then I went into manipulation mode. And um, when I can finally see what my part was in the, um, where I was selfish, where I was self-centered, um, frightened, um, you know, I was able to stop being the victim, which was said once before. And I really had a hard time defining, you know, selfishness, dishonesty. Um, someone gave me a, a form with it listed out, um, and I, I, needed, I needed that to really dig down deep as to why I was selfish and self-centered. Because my, I'm, very, I'm a very good um, rationalizer, and I can rationalize my behavior quite nicely. And um, I had no idea that I was causing all of the harm that I was to people that I cared about by behaving this way. And namely, it was about taking myself out of the higher powers chair and getting humble. Um, it, it's just incredible. This was the turning point for me. This is where I, um, I was able to get some of my power back. And today, if there's something happening in the world that makes me uncomfortable, I know that I need to go to, I need to go within and look at that. Um, it's usually my thought processes. Um, I'm seeing something in myself that I, I don't like or I, I, I um, have made up a story in my head. So um, that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much, Colleen M. from Maryland. All right, Irene M. followed by Leah S. Go ahead, Irene. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. So I look at my list, and this time I'm looking at it in a different light. You know, I shift from what others did to me to how I reacted towards them. What mistakes have I done? How have I been showing up? And even when it wasn't my fault. And an example from my past was I was taking advantage as a little girl from a family member. The name is listed in column one. I had to take my eyes off of what he did to me. He sexually abused me. Column two. This resentment was blocking me from God, myself, and others, column three. And I had to muster up courage to place my eyes on my own mistakes, column four. Where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Look what happened to me and having pity parties, playing the blaming game, and not taking responsibility of my rage, anger, my hatred, my character assassination, 
criticizing, judging, and on and on. Even when it wasn't my fault, the inventory was mine. What was my part in growing up with this heaviness of my heart, being in denial? What was my behavior towards them and their family and everyone around me? I have harmed so many and mostly myself with this one resentment that was eating at me for years and years, consciously and subconsciously, playing it over and over in my head and wanting to be free from the prisoner of my thoughts and unmanageable behaviors. I had to admit my wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. This, my dear brothers and sisters, this is column five. Set these matters straight. How would God have me be? Not to excuse them or minimize their behavior, but in order for me to be set free, I had to change the hate in my heart to love, compassion, forgiveness. These are God's words. These are God's blessings. This is God's light that melts pride and fear away. On my inventories, I shift my eyes from column four onto column five. My eyes are glued on column five, setting these matters straight. And how God would have me be in any situation. Let go and thy will be done. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini M. from New York. All right, we have Leah S. followed by Alana C. Please go ahead, Leah. Good morning, everyone. Oh, my goodness. Such beautiful shares. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. compare. <laughs> this is Leah S. Uh, in Brooklyn, New York. And the truth of the matter is I don't want to. I'm just inspired. That's what I want to mean. That's what I want to say. I'm really inspired. Leia S. recovered and very grateful in Brooklyn, New York. So resentments, resentments, they crop up so quickly, so quickly. And so yesterday I was on a phone call on an important conference call, and I was going to give reports. And before I even started to give the report, um, the main person of the conference, the president, was saying, I have exactly two minutes to listen to you. And uh, how do you just deal with that, you know, like, (laughs) anyway, and um, I started to um, give my report. Anyway, and right away, uh, um, I was cut short, and I hadn't gotten to the second part of my report. And at that point, I started to defend myself, and I said to myself, what am I doing, Leah? Leah, what are you doing? This person started with a real, what is your part? What is your part? And my part, it came with me with empathy for that person. That person is going through whatever they're going through, and I'm the culprit. I'm really getting lashed out. And you know what? I um, I, I gave report of what I needed to do. And then I excused myself for taking her time so much. That's it, that she gave me more than one or two minutes. And um, and I really meant it. I really meant it because if that person wasn't ready to give me more than two minutes of her time, 
then obviously you know, I needed to understand that. So, um, you know, God gave me this empathy at that moment because I could have lashed out no matter how many times and what. And um, she did get off the conference, and I was able to discuss the other parts of the um, report that I needed to in a satisfactory manner. And it's just, like, unbelievable. This is freedom. This is freedom because in the past I would always be a victim, always for whatever and whatever situation I would be in. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Leah. F from New York, Alana C. Please go ahead, followed by Linda D. Linda B. And then we're going to take some more names. Just a friendly reminder: we are on page sixty-seven, the second paragraph. All right, Alana, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Elena C. I spell Elena. my name E L E N A from South Carolina. Recovered a compulsive overeater for today. Yeah, so this paragraph is very, very rich, and I'm going to refer to the second uh, sentence. Putting out my mind the wrong others had done. Putting out of my mind. So what that means for me is that I made a choice to make a U-turn, to take my attention from what others did or said so then I, they wrong me, okay? It doesn't matter because I learned in my spiritual journey that where I focus my attention the most is where my higher power is. And, um, and then I place my attention onto me. And then I, became, I become aware of this selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, and fears. As a, result, as a result of my resentment, and then I look at what I did as a result of this, this thing, you know, and, um, and I make an inventory about it. I did learn in my spiritual journey that those character defects, this is what I learned. This is what my higher power has discovered and has helped me discover. Those are not me. Those are not me, but they are part of me. And these parts of me have blocked, first and foremost, my interaction with my higher power. They were in the way of allowing the spiritual healing energy of my higher power to come into my being and help me grow and stay healthy because really, what I'm doing here is I'm growing. So with these set aside, with these becoming aware of what I did wrong and setting them aside, and Bill W. says those are not going to disappear, but they're going to transform. Transformation, he talks about transformation. For me, it's a process of transformation. As a result of transformation, I make better choices. Because I'm not self-centered or other-centered. Am I truly God-centered? And I search for that through action every day to the best of my ability. And what a beautiful way to live. What 
a beautiful way to live today. And with that, I'll pass. I hear the clock. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Elena C. from South Carolina. Okay, Linda B. I'm going to take some more names. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, I'm Linda B. from London in the UK. I'm grateful to be on the line this morning. Um, yeah, it's made me think and listening to all the shares, it just made me realize, um, you know, just this whole putting out of my mind the wrongs others have done, that's the, that's the direction. Um, I resolutely look for my own mistakes. And often my first mistake is that I've expected myself to be anything more than a human being. Um, and as a human being, mm. I will get this build up of human emotions, human thinking and human minds. And I've gone off track. And the reason I do this work is to, you know, resolutely look for the places where I've made these mistakes of being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, because I need recalibrating. Um, and the only place that I can get that recalibration is deep down within the consciousness of my own self, uh, higher self, uh, that will recalibrate my compass and put me back on course. Um, so, yeah, and then it says the situation may not have um, entirely been my fault. Well, I've already prayed for the same tolerance, pity and patience that I would cheerfully grant someone else who was sick. I don't know what's gone on for that person. I don't know what's gone on for that situation. Um, whatever it is that's triggered these feelings in me, it's me that's gone off course. Um, and in, whilst I'm off course, sometimes I will have done harm, you know, to myself, to others. And I am willing to see it in front of me. Um, I do need, I do need a list of lists and lists of different ways this stuff plays out for me. They all come back to the same thing, the same few things. But I do need to be shown there's so many different ways it plays out. So a list for me of, of different uh, character uh, shortcomings is, is helpful. Um, and then if I've made a mistake, sometimes I do need to go and admit my wrongs, admit them direct to a person. Often, though, this word amend for me means change. And I can change course in that moment when I've looked at what I believe God would have me be. And I can set my course straight again. Um, and then I ask myself, you know, how do I know that I've had a complete psychic change um, as the result of doing this work? And you know what? I just think just me speaking like this, because before I would have seen those words and they would have been so damning. And so you're such a bad person. Yes, you're selfish. Yes, you're self-seeking. You're dishonest. And today I don't. I look at this stuff with uh, compassionate curiosity and I have a willingness to open my mind, my heart and set aside what I think I know. And I'm willing to, to learn and grow. And um I don't know if I'm going to run out of time, but quickly, I, I, I was resentful yesterday at the fact that I'm at home working from home because I have a COVID positive test result. And look here, God's got me exactly where I need to be here on this line. I would not be able to dial in at 11 o'clock live. Um, and I'm very, very grateful that I've been able to today and listen to the wonderful um, shares and hear exactly what I think God wants me to hear, why I do this work every day. Grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Linda B. from London, the UK. Okay, we're going to take some more names. We're on page 67, the second paragraph. We probably take about, I don't know, five shares, four or five shares. Who would like to share on what was read? Pamela, Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Julie K. Morrissey. 
Anita J. Laura G. Anita. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Pamela, I got you. Thank you. Pamela, Julie K. Maura J. Anita J. Maybe one more. Anyone else? Okay. Priscilla H. Okay. Priscilla Maria G. Priscilla H. Maria G. Oh. Yeah, oh. Maria, I'm not sure. I'll put you on here, but I don't know. We'll see. I understand. Um, Thank you. Okie dokie. All right. So, Pamela P., you are up, followed by Julie K. Pamela, star one? Yes. Hi, I'm here. My name is Pamela P., from Pennsylvania, God bless all you. So when I read the paragraph, um, yeah, it um, I having I have uh some resentment thoughts, but what happened here is I pray about it. Um, I talk to the person I need to talk to to vent about it, get out of my chat, so it don't get more deeper. And then it will transform transform into my behavior with my food. Um, so I've been working on that pretty good. Um, I've been having a lot of anxiety. Um, yesterday was a little weird with the food. Um, I got upset with something, and then I then ate my lunch, and then I had a little too much snacks later on. But I I got through it. So it's up been uh, hard to going back to my original food plan where it a little more restricted. Um, I do wait on that food plan and I could stick to it even hard. And also like certain area uh, where I live at, when I sit in certain area, it make me think of food because I'm near the kitchen. So certain time I got to get up and remove myself because I must live in between the meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I do have a snack early on the day sometime and a, and a snack with some green tea later or the green tea. So that could turn to a meal if I don't really, you know, work my program to the best of my ability. So I'm just trying to make a rule after dinner, no more consumption of food. And, you know, it's also that how it been. But the resentment I um, fear is lifted because I know I did feel my heart in no, in no room for resentment. All I got to do focus on Jesus and program and my partner and blessing my life. And also I have made a prayer list to pray for others. And so all that time, all that energy working something positive and no time to have negativity. But the main thing, the last thing I said to stop my resentment besides going to God is to talk to my partner about whatever on my mind, let it go, let go, and let God. So I'm feeling good today, a snowy day in Pennsylvania, and I pray to God that I Stay focused on God, my right. partner, and my program. Thank you to let me share today, I pet. 
Thank you, Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Julie K., you're up. Please share on what was read. Thank you so much, Amy. Hi, this is Julie K., Postal Overseer from Connecticut. Okay. Julie, hold on one sec, please. Julie, Julie, hold on one sec, please. I'm not sure if Pamela, if you're muted or dash person, we got to mute that, please. Thank you so much. All right, Thank Julie, you. please go ahead. All righty. So that fourth column was really tough for me, and I was sitting here, I'm driving into work, and I'm thinking. No, he wasn't me. Pamela, you got to mute, hon. I don't have a lot of mirrors in my house because I don't like to look at myself. And that's both figuratively and literally. Um, and it has not been until this last year of going, you know, reworking the steps because I do it pretty much every year. Um, I do another four-step inventory that I really, really held that mirror up. And man, oh, man. It's hard. It's hard. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of faith to really, truly look at yourself. Everything underneath all of attitude and poor behavior is fear. Fear is at the root of everything. And from that stem selfishness, self-seeking, and everything else. But I am the most fearful person that I know. And the only way for me to overcome those fears and the only way for me to have that complete and total change is to examine my part in everything. And I didn't think I had a part. I just thought, I didn't understand that my behavior towards others affected how they treated me. You know, and of course, like, oh, yeah, treat people how you want to be treated. I thought I was doing that, but I wasn't. I wasn't at all. And I expected other people to be to, to treat me well. And when they didn't, I I met their treatment of me and how I treated them. And when I really got deep and honest, a lot of it started with me. Most of it started with me. All of it really started with me. And that's a hard pill to swallow. When I am not connected to my higher power, when I am not entrenched in this program, when my food isn't down, I'm an asshole. And that's the truth. And I don't have to be. I don't have to be today because I've opened up my life to this incredible program. And I want something different for myself. And I want, I want to treat people well. I don't want to be an asshole anymore. And I used to thrive on that. I used to thrive on the pity party, the poor me, look at my life, look what happened to me. I used to completely thrive on that because it's much easier for me to sit in the crap than to actually be happy. That's where my biggest fear is, of being happy. What if I'm actually happy and I don't have anything to complain about? How amazing would that be? That's frightening to me. That's frightening to me, but I really have to look at that every minute of every day. I have to be vigilant, and I can't let that go when I'm not mindful of my tone, when I'm not mindful of my facial expressions, when I'm not mindful of the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm not working my program. So I'm incredibly grateful for column four.
because it, sh- it shows me who I really am when I am in the food and not connected to my higher power. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Julie Kay from Connecticut and your patients. Okay, so Mara, Mara J, I think it was. Hi, Amy. Good morning. It's Maury Z. Maury Z. There we go. Thank you so much. And I'm in Virginia. Thank you very much for this meeting and for your moderating this morning. I didn't start my timer, so if you could buzz me when I'm done, I would appreciate that so very much. Will do. Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked at our own mistakes. I did not want to do that. I didn't want to look at my mistakes. I was the victim. I was an expert at playing the victim. I I excelled in martyrdom. There was nothing that I did. I didn't do anything. Ha! (laughs) Yeah, that's what I liked to believe. But actually, in reality, when I got to step four, I was ready. Because I was so tired of being sick and tired. And I was so drained. It's exhausting to stay angry all the time. It was for me. It absolutely exhausted me. And then because of the lies I was telling myself about how I was a victim, you know, the lies changed. How do I keep my story straight? No, I had to take a look at this. Where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and frightened? Frightened was the big one for me. That underscored almost every single resentment I ever had. Um, The biggest resentment I had recently was that of being resentful at Russia. And the fear was, very simply, that my safety was threatened. How do I know they're just going to stay in Ukraine? I don't know that. But that's the irrationality of fear. As real as it may feel to me, and and as... you know, um, heart-stopping as it may feel, it's more often than not an irrational fear. I have no control over what's going on in the world, and that is a very scary place to be. What I can control, though, is my reactions. I can learn on an intellectual basis what I'm really afraid of, and I can face those fears. But I can also, and above all else, I can ask God to remove those fears. I don't have to live in fear anymore, but I first have to face them. I first have to be very honest with myself. Just as I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I was a compulsive overeater, I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I was not in control of anything, that God was, and I could find peace in him. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much, Mara Z from Virginia. I already, Anita J. I'm not sure, Priscilla and Maria, I'm sorry, I probably won't get to you guys, but Anita J., you're up. Please go ahead. Okay. Thank you so much um, for your service. And um, this is Anita J. I'm in Massachusetts, way out in Massachusetts. And um, I, um, this has been coming up recently again. Um, it, it scores that I need to be around 
program people, 12-steppers, because they all know the danger of living with resentment. It's the number one offender. Isn't that, isn't that what the big book says? To not only my abstinence or sobriety, to, you know, to my um, peace of mind, and, and to, to be thinking about other human beings, resentment takes the focus off all of that and puts it on poor little me. You know, we had a show here, and um, I had a part in it. I had a partner and a part in this show, and it was a, my part was the comedy. He was the straight man. Well, the night of <laughs> the show, he forgot his uh, what it was supposed to be. And anyway, the point of the story is he didn't follow, actually, not my script, the script. <laughs> and um, I was offended. I had to um, work it through. But then what happened was other people were offended for me. And I had put it to bed following the way we do it. And then out it came again because somebody else fed me. Oh, poor Anita. You know, this was awful. La, la, la. I can't afford that. Actually, I can't afford to be around people like that. She meant well. Uh, I used to mean well, too, causing more damage. But we have a way out. I have a way out of this. And when I looked dispassionately uh, on me and this man, he he really doesn't have he doesn't have the 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 group of fellowship that I have. He probably doesn't know there's other ways to get attention. Just like in the beginning of my life, I didn't know either. So I, years ago, you know, I had all that the mother. You know, who bound and gagged me and put me, you know, that whole sad story. Then I found out about other people here and what was done to them. It's, uh, it leveled the playing field. We've all been hurt by sick people. And because of this program, I forgave them. You think I can't forgive this fella, you know, for this one little moment and, you know, Yes, I can, with God's help. So thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Priscilla, we've got one minute. Do you want to take the one minute, Priscilla? Thank you. Um, Yeah, this is Priscilla H., grateful to be physically recovered but never cured of my compulsive overeating. And I appreciate the shares that I've been hearing today and yesterday and and will be hearing in the future as we go through um, the house cleaning steps. There's one thing that I believe needs to be mentioned, and that is still about the house cleaning steps. It's to be found on page 83. There's a balance here. Most of what we're doing um, cleaning house about today 
is things that have happened in the past, even up, maybe even earlier today, but in the past, not at this very moment. What about something that's going on at this very moment, an injustice that someone is suffering, as was shared yesterday by one of our fellow travelers who's in the hospital and is being, I don't know, mistreated or undertreated. It says in on page 83 of the big book, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand <clears throat> on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. And so to me, this, this says that um, a balance is needed. I need to be considerate, Fine. tactful, thank you, but I also need to... Um, speak the truth. So thanks for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Priscilla. And thank you, everyone who has shared today. Thank you for Team Tuesday's service. Please join us for another second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Tuesday, March 14, 2023, 7 a.m. Vision for You meeting is 20,049. That's 20049. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Colleen M. please take us out? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.